Hello, everyone. I'm Patrick Duffy. I'm so glad to be here for the Freight Waves Global Supply Chain Weeks event. Uh, it's the day focused on the automotive sector and the related supply chain, which is uh, super important to not only the American, American economy, but uh, really the human experience. Um, I think, you know, maybe uh, one of the highlights of, of people's life is uh, the day they turn 16, particularly here. It gives a, uh, a particular sense of freedom and really is uh, responsible for a lot of the, I think, American experience. So um, I'm the president of the Blockchain and Transport Alliance, which since 2017 has been fostering a global community of innovative companies that um, really power the global supply chain. And together through the principle of coopetition, we seek to build out open source data elements that we believe will power blockchain-enabled commerce moving forward. And so I'm really thrilled to be joined today by Chris Ballinger. Chris is the CEO of Mobi. Uh, Mobi is the mobility uh, open blockchain initiative, and he's got an incredible background and is working on some really excited stuff. So I'm thrilled to be here with him. Hey, Chris. Hi. Great to be part of the virtual Freightways event. So glad you're here. Um, so, Chris, you and I both have the privilege of managing uh, high-profile standards development organizations that are working on exciting technology for today's needs and tomorrow's reality. Um, you've had a really cool career path, as I alluded to a second ago. Can you um, kind of let the audience know a little bit about your background and, and how you've come to, to run Mobi? <clears throat> A really cool career path. That sounds like a euphemism for can't hold a job. Um, you know, it's it's a it's an audience full of supply chain nerds. Um, so it, I think I think you know, cool cool within context. Uh, okay, so uh, yeah, I I've had a long career, I guess, which is uh, comes with being my age. Uh, so it it all started. I was trained as a monetary economist. Uh, that turns out not to be, and an international trade economist. Uh, so maybe I'm kind of coming full circle in talking about uh, supply chains, international supply chains. Uh, but it's a it's a great background for things blockchain. Uh, it turns out because uh, blockchain can enable uh, edge transactions and micropayments and all kinds of things that uh, monetary economists didn't believe could could happen. Uh, so that was my the start of my career. I worked. Uh, Early on, as a monetary economist uh, at the Council of Economic Advisors under President Reagan, a long, long time ago, I spent uh, 20 years in what's now called fintech in banking, uh, the early days of derivatives and and uh, uh, securitization, uh, sort of the Wild West days of, of fintech. And then I uh, eventually joined uh, Toyota, their financial service company, which is their largest uh, subsidiary by balance sheet, and uh, was CFO there. And uh, also in charge of innovation, and which was a, a global role, and that was where I began to get interested in this idea of uh, of an ecosystem of autonomous things being able to participate in transactions. Uh, at uh, and uh, three years ago, uh, early in 2018, I left Toyota and co-founded Mobi. And maybe maybe later we can talk a little bit more about why, because I suspect that the experience and why we did that matches yours. It, I, I think we've both found ourselves in in a position that we never expected to be in. Um, I, I similarly started in banking and moved, you know, uh, into venture capital, and then kind of got into uh, supply chain after 
really experiencing the disconnect between production and consumption in India and the way that that had a human impact by way of poverty. And so that's actually one of the drivers that got me interested in blockchain technology as a way to drive trust between stakeholders where there's, you know, disruptions or challenges between those stakeholders. And in that case, it really resulted in, you know, human suffering. But, you know, I'm excited to talk to you today about, you know, kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum, looking forward, movies all about building uh, for this new economy of movement. Um, to you, what does that mean? What's, what is the new economy of movement and what's the most exciting area that you see emerging? Yeah. I, I know we only have 20 minutes. I could talk about this and you and I could talk about this for an entire afternoon. Uh, so let me try and give the, the elevator version of it. Uh, so what's, what's, uh, what we're seeing in the world is the convergence of many things, uh, including the convergence of, of AI, uh, IOT and distributed ledgers. And the, what that does is that allows anything, whether it's a person, a, a package or a vehicle, uh, to have a trusted ID uh, and to link that trusted ID to other attributes uh, that might be interesting. And so for the first time, we can begin to export digital economics to physical things. Again, we might want to come back to that subject a, a from, little later. From the bits to the atoms is the way that I describe it. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Exactly, the Internet of Atoms. Um, mm -hmm. The uh, but what that one of the attributes that's really interesting that you can link to that secure idea of a vehicle or package is location. If you can combine location with secure ID, that opens up an enormous uh, set of opportunities, uh, a whole new economy. Uh, vehicles can now pay as they go. Right? That's really not possible. Uh, they can do microtolling in cities. Uh, we have a, a transportation infrastructure globally that's in excess of $25 trillion. And most wow, of that- with a T? Not, not, with a T, with a T. Wow. It's uh, you know, about a quarter of the of annual global GDP. So it's, it's a huge number. And most of that infrastructure, you can't toll, you can't marginal cost price, meaning uh, you, you have difficulty financing it, you have difficulty using it efficiently, efficiently you have- all kinds of problems with congestion, pollution, uh, because you can't marginal cost price for these kinds of things. Combine location with secure ID, uh, and you can begin to uh, charge for road use. You can have usage-based insurance. You can have uh, uh, charge for carbon footprint. You can charge differentially for a clean vehicle versus a, uh, a, a, a dirty vehicle, uh, and so on and so on and so on. You can charge for parking places, right, sort of in real time. You can have the Amazon delivery trucks uh, pull up and uh, in the red zone, but permission didn't advance and charge just for the time that they're there. And, and, uh, and so we think that this is itself a multi-multi-trillion uh, a dollar uh, new economy uh, it, of, of all things that don't, you know, these kinds of transactions that don't exist today. And so that is the most exciting, if I have to put it in a nutshell, an elevator speech, that's the most exciting thing. Uh, it's going to open up just frontiers of new businesses for uh, all kinds of companies in the space, old and new. And so you hit upon a number of really exciting things, but trying to take it back to kind of that macro viewpoint, I'm fond of this saying that the world is a supply chain, but civilizations run on data standards. And both of us are, you know, neck deep into the standards development world. Um, let's talk about the standards 
that y'all have been producing. Um, I think the first uh, vehicle ID standard was the first one that y'all produced and it came out in 2019, is that right? Correct, summer of 19. Cool. And so just recently, the second iteration or kind of an extension of that vehicle ID standard came out, VID2. Right. And so can you tell the audience what, what these are all about and why they're attracting the input and uh, human capital of some of the world's largest automotive manufacturers? Yeah. So maybe, maybe start with a, a little bit of, of just real high level. What is a standard? A, a standard is, is, is just a, an agreed on way of doing things. Right. Driving on the right side of the street or the left side of the street, depending on what country you're in, is a standard. Right. Some of these things are really simple uh, and, and, and easy, but uh, it's really important that you have them. Driving again as the example, if you don't have a standard for it, then all you have is a huge mess. Uh, and, you know, the, the standards get more complicated from from there. Uh, but it's it's, you know, without the standards, you can't communicate. Uh, you can't uh, you don't have a predictable environment. Uh, you can't cooperate uh, with somebody outside of your, your business silo. And the, the origin of Moby really was uh, this frustration with this not being able to cooperate because of the lack of standards. Uh, I said that I was at Toyota, I began doing uh, POCs in various things, distributed ledger, uh, can a device communicate, can you have ride share, car share on a blockchain, can a vehicle have ID and link that to location. So we started doing all these things. And what we found was it was really easy to put a vehicle on a chain, very hard to get to the next level. What do you do then? There was no way to get to scale. And the reason there was no way to get to scale was there was no community to plug into. There were no standards. There was no way of communicating with anybody outside of that siloed POC. And it wasn't just sort of us at Toyota finding this. It was uh, everybody at all the other automakers, all the other tech companies that were doing you know, excited about about the the, the potential uh, sticking a vehicle or a package on the chain, uh, but then not being able to get to an enterprise scale or a customer facing application. We all had this frustration. We all realized about the same time, 2017, that if we wanted to realize the potential of this technology, uh, we better get together, uh, have a, a consortium uh, where everybody is on a level playing field. Everybody was a member where we could build these standards together. And ultimately, uh, since it's not you know, the, the end goal is not just having a standard, ultimately, you know, build a shared network where we could run POCs and build our enterprise applications in, in, in a predictable environment. So that was the, the motivation of it. Now, getting back to the, the question about VID1 and VID2, uh, the first thing you have to do if you're going to have a shared environment is have an ID for the important component of your physical component of your environment. So VID1 was about a, a digital twin for the vehicle incorporating everything you know when the vehicle leaves the factory, a vehicle birth certificate. So it's the ID, but it's linked to, you know, everything you might want to know about the vehicle's capabilities as it's manufactured. Like a Carfax Plus. Carfax Plus, yeah. But, but one that uh, is uh, where the root directory is not accessible by a, a, a privileged uh, uh, administrator uh, where the, the data and that if it's agreed on at origin, uh, then everybody can, can trust it from then on. And the, the VID2 was about uh, everything that happens in a vehicle's life after it leaves the factory. So uh, how, how was the vehicle treated? Did it have its scheduled maintenance? Was it involved in a major accident? Uh, that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, if you think about, you know, you're putting these two, these two things together, 
they largely kind of solve the the, the lemons problem in, uh, in 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 the used vehicle market, which is a huge issue for insurers who who you know, need to know what the value is. It's a huge issue for securitization and financing, where you need to know what the, the collateral value is of the underlying assets, and it's a huge huge issue for dealers and OEMs uh, who uh, are missing out on uh, a lot of value in that secondary market because of the asymmetry of information between buyers and sellers. So this vehicle ID, uh, I'm really excited about some of these shared commercial platforms for vehicle usage. Volvo has a great platform. Porsche has rolled something out similarly where you can pay uh, X dollars and get access to you know, Y number of vehicles per month for different service level agreements. I think it's so important that, you know, if you are going to do something like that Porsche program, that you know that you're not about to get into a vehicle that's been, you know, somebody's been doing burnouts with it the entire weekend before, and now you're going to have this problem on your hands. Having that digital twin that's able to securely identify themselves onto a network that might involve the insurer and the manufacturer and the distributor and also me as on the on the customer side and contributing to that data pool as as every day goes on i think it's really exciting do you think i mean is the real promise of of these types of standards i mean is it is it going to waterfall from there into the world of autonomous um i think so yes definitely um so autonomous vehicles are IoT devices uh, that need to communicate with each other at the edge. Uh, vehicles and mobility is essentially right, an edge problem. Uh, the latency of communication between vehicles and infrastructure right, in avoiding accidents, in sharing uh, uh, movement plans, uh, there's no way you can send that up to a central server uh, run all the you would need to do to authenticate and uh, and, and 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 authorize the transaction uh, and get it back to the vehicle in time uh, where it could be useful. So uh, autonomy, so level five autonomy. Uh, everybody talks about it. Everybody says, "Oh, we'll be there next year." And year after year, right? It's it's like the old joke in the nuclear fusion industry. It's it's like twenty years away, and always will be. Uh, and and so I'm I'm a little bit of a pessimist about this sort of standalone. Uh, level five autonomy. I think it's just a really hard problem to have a vehicle that can go anywhere in the world, anytime, in any weather, um, because of just the, the, the so many different types of things, uh, cultures, and, and uh, signaling that goes on in, in mobility. However, I'm really optimistic about coordinated mobility, uh, because I think that if vehicles can share their intentions, their locations in trusted ways, uh, then it's sort of autonomy on steroids, right? You can do things. You can look around corners. Uh, you can uh, adjust speeds slightly. You can uh, negotiate. So this allows for the super cruise mode. The where your it, Tesla, it, it, I can it, take it, my hands off, and it's actually talking to other vehicles, not just sensing them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a much easier problem if you can do that. But that's an edge problem. You have to have a secure ID. You have to have. Uh, a network that uh, that that uh, has certain shared services for identification and and uh, authorization before you can do that. Do you think this, Chris? Do you think this moves into commercial transportation applications before consumer transportation applications? They talk a lot about truck pl platooning out west. Yeah, I mean, that yeah, seems like a perfect that's, example. That's what I was going to mention. That's a 
uh, a much easier problem than sort of this, you know, in the wild autonomy for vehicles. Uh, truck, truck platooning is, a, is a, a much easier problem because you know who you're dealing with. Uh, there's a whole level of, of, uh, of authentication and identity that, that you can abstract away from. Um, and uh, you can negotiate right, the distances and you can have uh, information about the loads and the weights uh, that will go into the algorithms for how, how you can safely do that. And so that's a really interesting one. Uh, absolutely. Um, I, I, I do think the, um, you know, just I, I want to mention uh, one other aspect of autonomy that nobody really talks about, but I think it, it might actually be in the end more important than the, the level five cars driving around and you're in the backseat having your cognac type of autonomy that everybody is excited about. And that's the ability of vehicles to autonomously right, pay for things, to participate in an economy, right? I like the micro insurance examples. Exactly, or the road usage or, or uh, pay-as-you-go for, uh, for congestion or right away. Um, that's basically embedding a profit function in a car, which is sort of sophomore level calculus. Uh, that's a whole lot easier to get a car to do that. They already have the processing power. They already have the sensors. Uh, put a put a, uh, uh, a secure wallet in a car with an ID and, and a little bit of, uh, of a digital currency, and you can do that. That's not all that difficult. The technology exists today. And compare that and contrast that with the technology you need for level five autonomy, right? We don't have that technology yet. That's the world's hardest AI problem. Some other AI problems. So I, I think that um, this ability of the vehicle to participate in an ecosystem, to be an autonomous economic agent, will actually occur first and be more impactful than a, the level five autonomy. And it, it's true in trucking, and it's true in, in in other forms of transportation. So breaking it down, the the high fidelity information being able to be shared between the right stakeholders allows for coordination, but not yet autonomy. Uh, exactly. And, and, and payment is one form of coordination by participating in a market as one form of coordination. There you go. One of my questions is, is that it sounds like you're saying that the, the technology doesn't seem to be the shortcoming. Is there a regulatory, I mean, is, are regulatory drivers lacking in this space to allow for the realization of the potential sooner? I don't think it's, it's partly a regulatory issue. Uh, I, you know, there are regulations around cryptocurrencies and digital currencies, but you see uh, central banks right, beginning to explore, and virtually every central bank, every major central bank in the world is now exploring their own digital currency, um, some, far, some farther along than others. Uh, you know, so uh, even if you don't get the regulatory favorable treatment of private cryptocurrencies, uh, you're likely to get the, uh, the, the ability to use a digital currency in applications like mobility uh, at the edge for these types of, of applications that we've talked about you know, fairly soon, within you know, a, a couple of years maybe. Uh, you see and, people building the networks to do this already. And I, th that's a perfect segue. I was going to ask you if you can educate us about the open mobility network, this next generation kind of project that you all are working on. Yeah, so I, I mentioned earlier that you know these paper standards are, are nice, uh, but nobody you know wants just to produce paper standards. That's not what this is about. That's not what's interesting our members. They want to do the next step. Right? They want to go and have a system, uh, a network uh, that's predictable, where they can collaborate uh, and cooperate uh, with their competitors, uh, with others uh, in building uh, scale applications. Uh, and we're creating something called the Open Mobility Network, which is a shared business network. 
uh, we're providing certain core services around things like identity and authentication uh, that allow transactions to be, you know, keys to be exchanged and, uh, and uh, uh, identities to be assigned, uh, these kinds of things. Once those things are done, then the companies can build their applications on top of that knowing that they have a, uh, a framework which is uh, stable, predictable, uh, and used by others. And that's what allows them to, to uh, uh, solve the really hard problem that we talked about at the beginning, which is uh, how, do you, how do you get to scale in a, in, a, in, a, in a for a blockchain application? And so blockchain is certainly a polarizing word. Sometimes I feel like it, is, uh, it introduces more challenges in a conversation than may be necessary. Yeah. Is is blockchain necessary to realize the potential of these next generation solutions? I, I think so, because if you if you uh, if you start with the assumption that that this is a fundamentally an edge problem, uh, it has to be solved at the edge. Right. Then you need secure IDs. And I, I don't know uh, sort of how you can have decentralized uh, secure uh, IDs uh, without uh, just without a ledger. So if you want to call that distributed ledger technology or blockchain or a banana, it doesn't really matter. Uh, the, 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 this idea that, that um, you need a way of linking uh, new data to past data in, in, a, in an immutable way uh, that can be transparent, that can be audited, that's, that's somewhat open and can be trusted. Uh, this trust layer, right? That problem of the trust layer is the key problem in, a, in, in the edge world. Well, y'all have a really exciting webinar coming up, I think, later this week that's going to dive into the VI2 standard and where that's going to go with the Open Mobility Network. Um, I'd certainly encourage anyone that found this conversation exciting to go check that out. Chris, where can people find out more about Mobi, how they can get involved, et cetera? www.dlt.mobi. Um, and the, the, the webinar that you mentioned, uh, is going to be on Wednesday morning. So I think it's going to be before in real time before the, this airs. However, we do put our talks on the website. Usually takes 24 hours or so. Uh, so go to the website. I think there's a drop down menu to go learn and you can go to the past lectures. Uh, we also have one coming up on the, in, in March on the open mobility network. So that would be a great one for people to come to as well. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us, Chris. Um, I encourage everybody to tune in over the next week as FreightWaves brings audience experts from all sorts of sectors. On Friday during the uh, Metals Mining uh, and Chemicals Day, I'm going to be interviewing uh, Lauren Roman from Everledger as we talk about how um, blockchain can fight greenwashing um, in the electric battery supply chain. So uh, maybe some applications uh, with some of the new working groups running or spinning up at Moby there, Chris. So we'll have to get you involved too. Excellent. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Good luck. Yeah, thanks, Chris. See you, everyone.